All right. If you have your Bibles with you this morning or this afternoon, turn with me, if you would, to the book of Genesis. I wanted to record this message. The Lord woke me up at 1030 at night and gave me this message, and and uh, I didn't get finished working on it till four, about 430 in the morning one day last week, and uh, God just really laid this on my heart. And so I want to uh, preach to you this morning from the book of Genesis. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 6. Stand with me all over the building for the reading of the Word of God this morning. And the Bible says, verse 12, And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Verse number 14 says, Make thee an ark. Father, for the next few moments here this morning, Lord, I ask you to just take over this service, God. Lord, use me as a mouthpiece, and let us, O God, have the spiritual ears to hear your voice, O God, in this word today as you speak this word to us. Give us the spiritual eyes, Lord, to see this path as you roll it out before us this morning. Master, give us the godly wisdom to walk in this path and apply this word, God. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I want to talk to you this morning about this. I'm as churchy as Noah was arky. I'm as churchy as Noah was arky. Here we see in the Word of God that Noah was to build an ark. What do I mean by I'm as churchy as he was arky? How would it have been if Noah just decided to mosey on over there and work on the ark every now and then, every great once in a while. Noah had to go every single day and see about the ark. He had to go every day and work on that ark. Every single day he worked on the ark. Why did he work on the ark so diligently? Because he believed what God told him. And I want to tell you, we're living in a land today that don't believe it. We're living in a day today, I'm going to tell you where people jump up and down and tell you how much they believe, but I'm going to tell you they don't believe. They don't believe. Because if they did believe, they would be like Noah, and they would get busy. But I am as churchy as he was arky. Because every day, I must see about the ark. Every day is another day in the Lord. Every day. It's a daily thing. So many people have no idea. The Lord had told him that a flood was coming. There ain't no flood ever happened before on earth. 
It ain't even rained on earth at that point, according to what the Bible says. But yet a God came and told Noah, it's coming. Well, you know what? Since man, since this man has been on the earth, the end of the world hadn't come either. But I can tell you the Word of God says it's on the way, folks. And if you believe that, there ain't but one thing going to move you, and it's the same thing that moved Noah. And I'm going to tell you, this world better wake up. This world better wake up quick. He had to be ready because there was a flood coming. It's the same with us. Turn over to Matthew 24 and 44. The Bible says, Therefore, be ye also ready. For in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. If Noah had just took a lackadaisical approach to the building of the ark, buddy, we wouldn't be here today. Because Noah was faithful and found favor in the sight of God. You know what made him find favor in the sight of God? Because he was faithful, absolutely dedicated. He was committed. He was an upright man before God. He did everything like he was supposed to do it. Praise God. And that's what God saw in him. And that's why God saved him alive. And he became the father of all that live. You know what moved him? We're going to look at that here in just a minute. The Bible says, For in an hour such as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. There are countless hundreds and hundreds of thousands and thousands, probably millions and millions, that have crossed that threshold and gone straight into hell because they didn't believe, because they thought tomorrow was right around the corner. They thought tomorrow is a better day to go to the altar. Tomorrow is a better day to go to church. Tomorrow is a better day to do this. Tomorrow is a better day to do that. It, I tell you, it's absolutely heartbreaking to me. It's absolutely heartbreaking to me to see the direction this world's headed. I watched the other day a man that used to be on fire for God. Had a, he was on a, uh, uh, on a television show the other day. Preacher that used to preach a paint off the wall, son. I'm telling you, and he had some whacked out nut job on there talking about eternal security and all this once saved, you always saved garbage from hell, from the devil himself is who created that message. Just, just convince them they got plenty of time. Convince them that they're all saved. And he was on there just talking about there is no way your salvation can be taken from you and, and you don't have to do a thing. Jesus did it all at the cross. You just do whatever you want to. You don't have to do a thing. I can't help but know, according to the Bible, there's going to be a special place in hell for people like that. There's going to be a special place set aside for them in hell. Because the Bible said that it's going to be worse for people like that than those of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's going to be better for Sodom and Gomorrah in that day than people like that. That tells me there's a special place for them. 
I want to tell you, church, it's time to jump up and start screaming. He's coming. Buddy, he's coming. I'm telling you what you thought was years and years and years off. It's at our door. It's going to happen so fast. It's going to happen so quick that you ain't going to have time to even react to it. You better live today like you ain't going to be here tomorrow because you might not be. I want to ask you a question. Is that the way that you live every day of your life toward God? What would you do in this day if this was your last day? If this was your last church service, how would you approach it? What if this was the very last day that you had to live for God on this earth and then you were going to be facing Him in eternity before the judgment seat? How would you live this day? Noah had no idea. There is no record in this book of the Lord ever telling him when it was coming. What if he just took the approach and said, Well, you know, God told me to build a boat. He didn't say nothing about working on it every day. Why, he didn't say nothing. He didn't give me no time frame. He just said build a, build a, build a ark. I guess he'll just wait till I get done with that ark. Let me tell you something. There's a time set. There's a time set. The Bible said it is appointed once. It is appointed unto man once to die. You got so many days on this old dirt ball. What if today was your day? Have you done everything you could in preparing your ark? We're going to look at that. The Lord told him a flood was coming. He tells us the same thing in Matthew 24, 44. The Son of Man cometh in an hour that you think not. The Bible tells you, it doesn't tell you that it might come in an hour that you think not. He says he's coming in an hour that you think not. So know this, the very moment that you think he's not going to be there, that's when he's going to show up. How many times in your life have you ever had somebody or something show up at the last, I mean, buddy, you just, the, you know, or you'd be talking about somebody or say something about somebody, and that, boom, there they were. All of a sudden, the last thing in the world you ever thought about them doing is walk through the door. I had a buddy one time work with me. We was working for a guy. He was kind of like my business partner at the time, and we were subbing from this guy, general contractor. He was a friend of mine, too. We, we knew him real well. I knew him real well. And this guy, every time he'd say something, this guy's name was Glenn. He said, every time he'd say something, man, that Glenn, I'll tell you, man, this and that and other, Glenn would walk in right at that, at that exact moment. Just walk in and, and he'd go, oh, man, I'm just, I, was just, I was just kidding, you know, I was just kidding. About three or four weeks later, he's like, man, I'll tell you, that Glenn, man, this and that. Here he come out of the stairwell just right at the same time. He said, I ain't never mentioning your name again. I'm not ever going to say another word about you ever in my life. He said, that's twice, he said, and you walk right in. Never come to the job ever. But yet the two times he talked about him, here he come walking out of the stairwell. I said, see there? <laughs> just goes to show you, man, you never know. Let me tell you, there are people screaming from hell right now. If they could come back for a few moments, they'd change this world. 
I'm going to tell you, they changed this world, buddy. They changed a lot of them. I mean, they would be screaming out, women, women, get your dresses on, uh, cover yourself up. Uh, men, become men. Women, get them dresses off. Men, get them pants off. Get her, be a woman. You be a man. You get in that church. Don't never leave church again. If they had it to do over, I guarantee you they would, they'd have a tent set up right there. They wouldn't walk away from the house. They would not leave the house of God. They would spend every waking moment on their face praying. They would spend every waking hour reaching souls because they know the severity of where they're at. But it's too late then. Let me tell you, those people, those people laughed. Those people, no doubt, can't you just hear them talking about Noah? In the middle of the desert, he preached to them as well. We're going to look at that. In the middle of the desert, building a boat when it had never rained before. How in the world are you going to get that boat to the water? Noah's situation, he had to work while it was yet dry. He had to work while it was yet dry. In our day... We have to work while it is yet day. Because the Bible says, John 9, 4, I must work the works of Him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. And as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He also said that we are the light of the world in Matthew 5, 14, 16. And so long as we are in the world, we are to be that light. And he said to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good work and glorify Him that's in heaven. I want to tell you right now, church, we better turn it up because there's coming a time and it's coming soon in this land when you will not be able to go and win souls. The Bible declares it. The Bible absolutely declares it. There's coming a time. It's night is coming when no man shall work. That's not a metaphor. That's a fact. You can look around you and see it. Let me tell you something. And we're going to be looking at something here shortly. But I, I was looking here and, and you know, if you can't see it coming, something wrong with you. But let me tell you something. We're headed for a Great Depression, number two. There's no question about it. And, and the greatest minds that ever were or that ever will be as far as in this world and, and the things that's going, the economists and all that, the ones that are hopeful and they're lying to you uh, uh, are speaking different things. But let me tell you, I was listening to one guy this morning, and he is, he's written a book, and, and it, man, it just skyrocketed. It took off like gangbusters. I can't think of the name of the book right, right offhand, but we're going to be watching some stuff by him, and it's about this world. And I want everybody to be here because we need to be prepared so that when people ask you questions, you have answers for them because we are the light of this world and we need to let them know what's going on. And if you don't know yourself what's going on, how are you going to let them know? We need to declare it. We need to sound a trumpet. And our trumpet needs to have a distinctive sound so that they know it's the trumpet of the Lord. It's the trumpet to battle. We are preparing for a catastrophe that's about to take place. He is declaring that there will be at least 50% unemployment and a 90% reduction in the value of the dollar. 
in just the next few years. In just the next few years. And they were asking him, said, well, you know what? I mean, there's a lot of people that say, you know, say this time that, you know, they say that this is what's going to happen. And they asked him, and he said, he said, no, I don't disagree with that. He said, I disagree with their timeline just a little bit. But he said, it is going to be within the next few years. And he said, uh, he said, but the scenario is absolutely going to happen. There's no question. He said, he said, we're way beyond the point of no return. He said, there's no return. This is a man who don't even believe in God, man. I mean, this, I don't know whether he believes in God or not, but he's not coming from a godly pro- re- uh, approach. He's coming from just the world. He's coming from just looking around. Open your eyes and see. This is the world telling you it's coming. Do you know? Can you just stop and try to focus your mind on that for just a minute, what it's going to be like when there's 50% unemployment in this land? That will tell you that people are going to be starving and they're going to be killing one another because when a man gets hungry, he's going to kill to eat. You ain't never seen problems. Let me tell you something. In the Great Depression, that is going to be Disneyland compared to what we're going to go through because, man, them people were people that knew how to work. Those people was people that never had what we got There might have been one in 500 million people that had the kind of money that all of America's got. But back in that land, people would look at me and think I was a quadrillionaire. And I'm just a poor boy from Tomball, Texas. But that was a people that knew how to bind together, unify stand together and help one another, and they try to claim that that's the way this land is now. Oh, no, this land is no... We're so far away from uh, uh, binding together. And they say, oh, well, catastrophe just brings people together. Yeah, in lands where they care, but not in this country it ain't. It ain't going to bring everybody together. Let me tell you, you've never seen chaos, and people are going to show their true colors. When it comes to me eating or you eating, you're dead. Just that simple. This is a land of to thine own self be true. If it feels good, honey, do it. If it don't feel good, I ain't going to have no part of it. Remember the Bible says in the last days that men will not endure sound doctrine. You know what? They were the same way in Noah's day. They were the same way in Noah's day. They didn't want a thing in the world to do with what Noah was trying to tell them. Let me tell you something. That boat had to be made a certain way. He wasn't just said, well, just just believe me, it's going to be all right. Well, all you got to do, Noah, is just believe and be saved. Garbage. He had to get busy. And it had nothing to do with works of the law. He didn't say, he didn't say, okay, I want you to uh, uh, do this and eat that and not do this and do that and all this. He didn't say a thing about that, but he gave him a job to do. He said, this is coming, and if you want to make it through it, if you want to survive through it, you better get busy. And I'm telling you right now, church, as I've told you before, we are an absolute parallel with Noah's Ark. We are the modern-day Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark. 
to the saving of our household. What is the household? The household of God. The Bible says we are of the household of God. Praise God. The Bible tells you all the time about how that we're to take care of the household of God. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. We need to get more diligent about the house of God. We need to get more diligent, praise God, about our building of the house of God. We need to get more busy, praise God, in getting this ship ready to roll because the fire, I'm telling you, it's coming. It's coming at breakneck speed. He had to build it exactly according to this word. Specific, detailed instructions. What kind of, what kind of wood to use? In other words, what it was going to have to be made out of. How it was going to have to be attached and fitted and, and the exact length of it, the exact height of it, the depth of it, the breadth of it. Do you know we have the same instruction manual throughout this book for this body and this body? Did you know the only way to get in the ark? The Bible says no man, no man can come to the Father except the one that sent me draw him. Do you know what? Noah was a preacher. We're going to look at that here in just a minute. No doubt. He tried to tell them, what are you doing? What are you building? What are you building? A boat in the desert? There's a flood coming. A what? A flood. The Lord's going to send rain upon the earth. It's going to flood. It's going to kill every living thing. I'm telling you right now, you better get over here and help me build this boat. You better help me build the boat. It's the same thing I'm telling this world out here. You better get in here and help me build this church, man. You better help me work on this body. Because I'm telling you, this is what he's coming back for right here. This is what he's coming back for right here. You know what? That night at 1030 at night, I did not want to get up out of that bed and do this message. I was tired, Jack. I hadn't been in bed for a couple hours. I was tired. That's the reason I went to bed at 730 that night, because I was wore out and tired. I was just physically tired. And I went to sleep. The Lord woke me up about 10 o'clock. And He began to give me this word right here. I was like, well, that's good, God. Okay, that's good. Yeah, good. That's good. It's good. Okay, I'm going to remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A few minutes later, give me some more. I said, yeah, yo, that's good. Man, that's good. God's good, God. After about the third time, I said, okay. All right, Lord. So I got up. I went back into my office. I shut the door. And I began to write this message. Three pages later, hundred and something scriptures probably later. And it was 4.30 in the morning before I got the message done. But you know what? It don't matter what I feel like. Because I'm not my own. I belong to Him. So it doesn't matter what I feel like. What matters is He said, let's go. And I said, all right. I got up and I went. Because had I not, I wouldn't have got this message. Because I've done that before. And God said, okay. So he just take that message and give it to somebody else that would get up and preach it. Now, what was Noah doing? The Bible said he was building an ark to the saving of his house. The Bible also says that he was a preacher, as I was saying. Look over at Second Peter 2 and 5. Second Peter 2 and 5. Who's got that for me? 
Brother Chris, Second Peter 2, 5. Read that for me. Read it loud. A preacher of righteousness. You know what it's telling you there? He was a forerunner to this. He was, he brings, he was bringing in the flood. What he was saying is he was preaching it to them. He was preaching it to them and they were walking away from it. Let me tell you what we are. We are ushering in the coming of our King. We are that voice crying in the wilderness now. Prepare ye the way for the Lord. Praise God because He's coming. Hallelujah. We are bringing in the second coming. We are the bringers in of the chaos that's on the way. We're the voice. And I know. I know how Noah felt. I know how he felt. Because there is no telling how many thousands of people that I have preached to and tried to get to take this serious. I don't know any other way to preach it, folks. I don't know a thing else I could preach in the Word of God. I don't know another word I could say to somebody that would cause them to take this as serious as it is. I have been rejected so many times. I can't tell you. I can't even count. I couldn't even count them. I don't know. And I know what he felt like. I know what he felt like. Why? Why did Noah have to give daily attention to the ark? Why did he do that? Let's look over there in Hebrews 11:7. Let's look over there and see what motivated Noah? Before you turn there in the Bible, let me ask you what. What do you think motivated Noah? What do you think was his motivation? That's it right there. Fear was his motivation. Well, honey, if it's all once saved, always saved, bunch of manure, what would you have to fear? And that's what they preach. Well, there ain't nothing you need to be afraid of. Wasn't you saved when you was three? Well, then, honey, you in. You better be moving with fear, because if you ain't got no fear of God, I can tell you where you're heading, and there's no question about it. You have no fear of the Lord, you're done. Before you can go any further in God, the first thing you're going to have to do is get you a healthy new set of fear. Because without it, your motivation's gone. Lovey-dovey, sweetie-peety, and all that stuff will carry you so far. But you know what? The newness wears off of that. The newness don't wear off of fear. When it does, God comes in and says, BAM! <gasps> Gives you a whole new healthy set of fear. It's amazing how sitting on your deathbed sometimes will give you some fear and cause you to say, you know what? I might need to take this a little more serious. Fear works, folks. That's why God uses it. For everybody listening by tape, for everybody watching by DVD, I'm going to tell you a tape that you need to get that I have. It's called Scared Straight. And let me tell you something, folks. You better have you a good dose, a healthy dose of fear. And you better fear God because He said, Fear not man who can but kill the body, but rather fear God who can not only kill the body but put your soul in hell. He said, fear me. And in that, in that message, there are literally countless scriptures that you will see that demand that you fear God. This cakewalk everybody thinks they're on is so, so deadly. 
The Bible says in Hebrews 11, 7, let's look. The Bible said, by faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, never been no flood on the earth, he, he did what? He moved with fear. Let me tell you something, church. Every time you get up, every time you start to take a step in your day, fear God. Let that fear lead you through this life. Let the fear of God lead you through this life, and it will help you to walk a little more carefully. Understand this. The Bible said, boast not yourself of tomorrow. You need to quit thinking about tomorrow, and you need to think about what, how would I approach this day if this was my last day on earth? Because it very well could be. How many people? I want you to just stop and think for just a minute. How many people do you know personally that died an untimely death and had no idea it was coming? Now, I'm not talking about somebody has been laid up in the hospital bed for years and they knew they was going to die and they were living on barred time. I mean somebody, man, that was just got up that morning, the furthest thing from their mind was death. Man, they was going to live another 50 years or 20 years, 30 years. Nothing, not a thought never crossed their mind. They wasn't going to be there tomorrow. And all of a sudden, boom, they're gone, dead. And you know where they're at? They're standing before the, the judgment of God in a few moments later. And where are they at today? Were they ready? Huh. Let me tell you. There was people right there. They never seen no flood. They didn't know what a flood was. But you know, the Bible said wouldn't nothing happen. Let's God reveal it to the prophets. We are those modern day prophets. You know what a preacher is? The Lord just dropped the thought in my mind. You are a prophet. You are a prophet. Because I'm prophesying to this world. He's coming. He's coming. I'm a, I'm a voice in the wilderness, crying in the wilderness, saying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. He's on the way, folks. He's on the way. It's coming. He said, being warned of things, of, of God, of things not yet seen, moved with fear, he prepared an ark. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Wait a minute. This is, this is also the same righteousness. He became heir, but the Bible says he became heir by faith, which is by faith. That's the same thing that happened to us. Yeah. Salvation's by faith, but faith without works is graveyard dead, you idiot that was on that show the other day preaching that nonsense. You're taking millions of people to hell, buddy. Because they believe your lie, Lucifer. And that's who you are. Let me tell you, folks. We have a job to do. The parable of the talent speaks expressly about this, specifically about this. He did not just save you out of darkness and bring you into His marvelous light for you to just get on the roller coaster and ride it to heaven. If that's your, if that's your approach to it, I can assure you, you will not make it. Because He will say, as He did in the parable of the talents, Thou wicked and slothful servant, Thou should have taken it to the usury. To the, you should have taken it and brought it with what I gave you, you should have brought it with usury. You should have brought it to the changers and you should have brought it with usury. In other words, we're supposed to take what God's given us and invest it. 
We're supposed to take what God's given us. We're supposed to multiply it. If God is a man to help take cigarettes out of your pocket, you better be helping cigarette uh, smokers to take them things out of their pocket. We have a job to do. This is the building of the ark to the saving of His house. Praise God. See how that His faith mixed with works brought the salvation to the household? What if he just took what God said and said, okay, I believe him. Like so many people believe. Well, we just believe if you believe, if you believe that he is, well, that's all you have to do is believe and be saved. No, man. He worked because he did believe him. He did believe it was coming. That's why he got busy. And had he not had works with the faith, see, that was his works by his faith. But had he not put that faith into works, not put that faith into motion, there wouldn't have been no boat. Didn't you believe me that there was a flood coming? Well, yeah, because you're God and I believe you. But the man on TV told me all I got to believe. No, man, the devils believe and tremble. If you believe it, you're going to get busy. If, let me tell you something. God told me, hey, uh, it's fixed to be a flood. You know what I'm going to do? I'm getting to higher ground. Well, it ain't gonna be, it's going to be deeper than that. Really? There ain't going to be no way to escape it on land. Really? Well, then, uh, okay. Well, then I'm, uh, I'm fixed to build me something. The Bible says over in James 2, 17 through 26, Let's look at that real quick because I want to tell you that is a powerful, powerful scripture right there. The book of James, James chapter 2. James chapter 2 verse 17 says this, Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seeth thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? You see then, verse 24 says, You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Not by faith only. Oh, well, that's Old Testament. No, it ain't New Testament. It's James chapter 2, verse 24. The Bible tells us that it's the same today as it was in that day. I want you to look at Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Matthew 24 and 37 says this, But as the days of Noe, as the days of Noe were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noe entered into the ark. Now, the Bible tells us in another place that the day that he entered into the ark, the floods came. 
the same day. There were no three and a half years span there, folks. It said the days before the flood, they were eating, drinking, and marrying, and giving in marriage. And they knew not. They didn't all of a sudden see. He said they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall the also the coming of the Son of Man be. He's telling you right then, man, that, buddy, it's going to happen just like that. It's coming. They were married, giving in marriage, just having a big old time, just like this world is today. Right now, no doubt about it, people all over the country doing whatever it is they want to do. They're all thousands and thousands and thousands of fighting to get into a football game. But I tell you what, they fighting and fighting and fighting, trying to stay out of a church. They don't want nothing to do with no church. I tell you, it's no wonder to me. It's no wonder to me that the Holy Ghost outpouring is so powerful as it is in foreign lands. It's just no wonder to me at all. There's a hunger. We've lost our hunger in this land. Second Peter 3 and 3. Let's go on down first. They knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, and one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken, and the other left. Buddy, it's, it's coming. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not what hour the Lord doth come. Mm. Okay, go with me to Second Peter 3 and 3. The Bible gives us warnings. It says, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts. No doubt there were many scoffers in that day as well. Can't you see them scoffing at Noah, working his tail off at his, at his age, working like a wild man for a hundred years? Can't you see some of them people going, <laughs> that is crazy idiot been working on that stupid boat? Oh, he's just been out in the sun too long. Look at that crazy maniac. Look at that idiot. Working on a boat in the middle of the desert. Oh, look at him working. He's working like a wild man, boy. He... I mean, he don't even take lunch breaks, man. He's just working like a wild man. Crazy. Crazy, I tell you. Give me one of them beers. What kind of cigarettes you want? Give me a camel. Don't tell them what they were smoking and what they were drinking. They was having a big time. They wasn't working on no boat. Oh, they thought the man of God was a fool. That's the same way people think of me. Even people that have been healed under my hand, knowing that I'm anointed of God, knowing that I bear His name, and I bear the truth, and I bear His power, and I bear His anointing, knowing that, they still think I'm a fool. They think I'm wrong. They think I need a Bible study. And they want to go to big churches with big fancy people and dressed in all their fancy stuff and all that kind of stuff and fashions of the world and all the youth in shorts and come any kind of way you want to because God don't care. He's just a lowly carpenter. And they think I'm a fool. They would rather have the fluff and the thrills and the frills than the truth and the power because they don't want what I preach. It's too hard. 
Well, let me tell you, I have a feeling that the people think thought the same thing in the days of Noah. They thought him a fool, no doubt. And don't you know that working out in that hot sun, don't you know working that hard for a hundred years, don't you know that that was hard for people to swallow? But I'll tell you, it's them same people. When the floods came, buddy, they were scratching on the door. Let me in! But just like the parable of the ten wise and the ten foolish virgins, and the door was shut. It ain't going to be me that shuts the door on the church, I'll tell you right now. It's going to be the Lord. Said that walking at the, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? Don't you know they were telling Noah that? Where's this flood, Noah? Where's the flood, man? Hey, how's that boat going, bud? How long you been working on it now? hundred years, isn't it? Yeah. Boy, I just see the rain coming, can't you? They're saying, where's the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this, listen to, the, listen to this now, for this in verse 5, 2 Peter 3 verse 5 says, for this they willingly are ignorant or ignorant. For this they are willingly ignorant. I don't ever want you to read that word ignorant again without reading it like that, because that's what the word means, to ignore something. Willingly ignorant of, this they were willingly ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, listen to this, being overflowed with water, perished. The world that then was, was overflowed with water and it perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now... Now listen to this. Let me tell you how bad it's going to be next time. The Bible says, but the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word... (laughs) By the same word. What word? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. By the same word. Listen to this. By the same word, it's that same word that came to Noah. His name's Jesus. Came to Noah and said, there's coming a flood, build an ark. It's coming. By the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. The only thing holding it back is Jesus right now. Because he's long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come under repentance. But, beloved, verse 8, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. In other words, hey, man, don't just think because it ain't happened yet that it ain't coming. But it's long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Somebody turn over to 1 Peter 3.20. 1 
Honey, get that for me. First Peter three twenty. Was a preparing. You see that? See that? <laughs> he said, "Man, it's just the long suffering, just like it was in the days of Noah." You know what? He was long suffering because they were already wicked enough to smite him and kill him. I'm gonna tell you what: we're we're wicked enough for God to squash us like a nasty, filthy bug right now. This is a disgusting land. The more I live in it, the more it disgusts me. But I want to tell you, just as it was in that day, just as it was in the days of Noah, he was long-suffering while the ark was a-preparing. Just as the Bible says, he is not slack concerning his promise. Oh, it's coming. (laughs) Don't let the delay change your mind or change your thought pattern because he's coming. It's coming. He's not, he's not slack concerning his promises, the Bible says. But he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come under repentance. Now listen to what it says here. But the day of the Lord will come. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. It doesn't say it might come as a thief in the night. It says it will come as a thief in the night. In the which the listen to this, listen to this. This is talking about the rapture, folks. The day of the Lord, this is the rapture. In the which, what? In what do you mean in the which? The day of the Lord. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. The Bible tells the Christians, watch, because he cometh in an hour that you think not, right? The Bible says he's coming like a thief. And here it says, The day of the Lord. Will come as a thief in the night. That's the rapture, right? In the which, what in the which? In the rapture, the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. And the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. It all happens at one time, right at the end. The Bible tells us, and we're going to look at that here in just a minute, that the heaven and earth are both going to perish. Let's look and see. Get me Revelations 21. Let's go to Revelations 21. 1 through 8. Revelations 21 says this, And I saw a new heaven... And a new earth. For the what? The first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. We don't know that this particular place right here is going to be the New Jerusalem. New Jerusalem's coming out of heaven. But the Bible declares that the old earth and the old heaven is passed away. It could be a whole new planet. It could be a whole different universe. Because I'm going to tell you something. They are, they are realized that, uh, that you can bend time and travel billions of light years in just a fraction of a second. They don't know how to do it, but they realize that that's a, that's a plausible theory. And they're really looking at that and studying hard about that how that you can travel multi-light years in just a 
in just a moment of time by bending time around around where you're at or whatever. I don't understand all that stuff, but I've been listening to some stuff like that. Pretty interesting stuff. But listen to what he says. Verse 3, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Now listen to this. And he said unto me, Who said unto him? The one that was sitting on the throne. Isn't that what he was talking about? Isn't that what he said? And he said unto me, It is done. Now this is the one that's sitting on the throne. There's only one throne in heaven. Here's the one talking to him that was sitting on the throne. And he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of waters of life freely. Now, wait a minute. This is the one sitting on the throne? Well, there's supposed to be three, isn't it? No, there's one. Let's go over to uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 13. Keep your place there. I'm just going to go over there myself. One. Chapter 13 says this, And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a white garment down to the foot, and girt about with the paps, a girt about the paps with a golden girdle, his head and his hairs, white like wool and white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, and they burned as they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. What is that? That's the Word of God. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Listen to this. This is the same one that's sitting on the throne on the other page over there. Listen to what he says in verse 18. Well, that's God. That's not Jesus. Is that right? Well, let's look at verse 18. He said, I am he that liveth and was dead. God, if he was a God and there was no Jesus and they were separate, then God ain't never come died in the world. If he was God on the throne and Jesus was down here did the dying, he said, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. How can it get any clearer than that, church? I don't know how to preach it any clearer than that, church. How can you preach it any clearer than that? Woo! Help us, Lord. Help us, Jesus. Help us today. Huh. Huh. 
Because He is coming, we must be busy about our Father's business. We must prepare the ark, which ye are, to the saving of our household. What is an ark? What is an ark, church? Let me tell you what an ark is. It is a depository, according to the, to the uh, Webster's Dictionary, or a vessel of transport. What was in the ark? Well, let me tell you what was in the ark. There were two arks in the Bible. There was the ark that Noah built by the Word of God. And then there was the ark of the covenant. In the ark of the covenant, which ye are the modern day ark of the covenant. Ye are the ark of God in every sense of the word nowadays. The Bible tells us that in the ark of the covenant was kept the covenant. But he said in the last days I will make with them a new covenant. And I will write it upon their heart and in their minds. I will, uh, I'll put it in their hearts and in their minds. I will write it. And it says in another place, He would put it in our heart and write it upon the tablets of our mind. Praise God. He would write it in our mind. So therefore, we are the bearers of the new covenant. And we are the ark, the carrier, the vessel that carries. There was a reason why Jesus had, uh, why the Lord God Himself had Noah to build the ark. It was to the saving of, of the few people, just like it is today. He said there were few, only eight. Let me tell you something. Just like, He said, so shall it be. In the coming of the Son of Man shall be, just as it was in the days of Noah. Man, the majority, man, you're talking about the majority going to hell in that day. He said it's going to be the same way now. Few there be that find their way into this ark. Let me tell you something, buddy. Man, let me tell you how blessed those people were that lived close enough to hear about the ark. What about the people all around on the other side of the earth that had no idea there was an ark building? But let me tell you something. This time he's given everybody a chance because the Bible says uh, when the word is preached in all the world as a testament unto every nation, then shall he in be. Oh, mighty God, help us today, Jesus. What can I do, Lord, to reach souls? He said it's going to be the same today as it was in Noah's day. There's going to be very few that make it. If the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? The Ark of the Covenant, there was a copy of the covenant. That's what it carried. What was carried in Noah's Ark? Let me tell you something that was much more important. Do you know why the animals were carried in the Ark? Now, let's break it down to the to the core. Let's turn and look. I'm going to show you something you may not have seen before. I want you to turn over with me to chapter 7, Genesis chapter 7. Let me tell you what was so much more important than just the animals. Chapter 7, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house, all thy house, into the ark. 
Matthew 11:28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Remember, he said, I am the door to the sheepfold. He said, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteousness. Righteous have I, thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. That's all he saw righteous before him in that generation. Of every beast. Now listen to what he said. Listen, he said, of every beast, clean beast, thou shalt take of thee by sevens. Most people say, well, they come in by two and two. No. Sevens. Of every clean beast, thou shalt take to thee by sevens. And the male and his female. And of beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. Of fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female. To what? To do what? To do what? That's the reason he had them come into the ark. He said to keep seed alive. (laughs) To keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. Now, let me tell you, you are the ark. There's a new covenant in town. And it's in our heart and on our minds did he write it. And it's in our minds and on our heart did he write it. Our mind and heart, same thing. What is the Word of God? The Bible said the seed, which is the Word of God, the seed is the word of God in the parable of the sower. This is the, he said, sow thy seed. <laughs> Let me tell you why you're alive today in these last days, church. Why it's so vitally important that you get in the house of God. It's so that he can keep seed alive. Listen, church, we have a job to do. We are building the ark. We are the carrier of the seed, praise God. And it's to keep, praise God, life in this world, in all the earth. Praise God. We're the carrier of the seed and the bearer of the covenant. So in Noah's ark, it was to keep seed alive. God wanted to keep the seed alive. Luke 8, 11 tells us that the Word is the seed. Seed is the Word. Praise God. We are the new Ark of the Covenant. We are the modern-day image of Noah's Ark. A carrier of the seeding of the seed, the building of the Lord to the saving of our house. I'm not talking about our house where we live. I'm talking about our house. The Bible tells us that we are no more strangers and foreigners, but we are fellow citizens with the saints, and we are of the household of God. Our message and what we're building is to the saving of our house. There was great attention given to detail for Noah to be be followed. If he did not follow it, it would not pass the test. In other words, you better pass the test on that maiden voyage because <laughs> it's the only chance you're going to get. There wasn't no rescue boats nowhere around. Wasn't no phone. Wasn't no mayday, mayday, mayday. Buddy, 
you better get it right the first time. And I'm telling you right now, you better get it right this first time because there ain't going to be no second. There ain't no do-overs in this deal. This is for all the marbles forever and forever. He was not given the freedom to use his own imaginations in any kind of way to add to nor to take away from the specific instructions given for the building of the ark. This is not a go get a Bible that you can understand. This is go get the Holy Ghost so you can understand the Bible as it was meant to be. This ain't no go get yourself another Bible that sounds right. Well, that don't sound too good to me. Why, that don't line up with what everybody else is preaching. Well, he better write another Bible. I'm going to tell you, these men that's writing Bibles, boy, I don't care how famous they are. I don't care how good they sound. Buddy, you better get you a good old-fashioned King James Bible. You better get in it. You better go get the Holy Ghost and quit trying to climb up another way. There's only one way. It's through the name of Jesus. You better find that. They were not given, he was not given any option to use his own, uh, his own wisdom. Hey. This is the same way. There's only one way, folks. There ain't no add to nor taken away. You follow it to the letter. Let me tell you why. Why was there given specific instructions? Why was it specifically instructed the way it was? Why did it have to be built the way it was built? Why did God have a specific way? You know why? You know why? You know why He needed to follow that? Because Jesus knew what He was sending. God knew what was coming. He knew how severe the flood was going to be. He knew how the waves were going to rock the boat. He knew the gravity. He knew all things. He's an omniscient God, all-knowing. He knows what's coming. And man, I can assure you, because they're walking around like this, their chest stuck out, how great a Christian they are, there's not an ounce of fear in them anywhere. Let me tell you something. I know I'm anointed. I know. I walk in His anointing. And there's nothing in this life that scares me like God. I'll tell you right now, buddy. You better believe I have a fear of God. Well, what are you afraid of, preacher? If you're living for God. Yeah, you know what I'm afraid of? I'm living for God. That's what I'm afraid of, buddy. I fear God because He can not only kill me, but He can put me in hell for eternity. And let me tell you something, buddy. I know what it's going to take to get into heaven. And all this nonsense is being preached out through the land, buddy. They can live with that if they want to. But I guarantee you, I ain't chancing it. If the righteous scarcely be saved, what I look at. Buddy, when God calls somebody righteous, <laughs> buddy, that's some righteousness there. If they are scarcely saved, where are we in this untoward, filthy generation we live in? Where are we going to be? Where's the sinner and ungodly going to appear? <laughs> buddy, you better believe I'm scared of him. I love him. And I know he loves me. Yes, he does. He loves me. I know He loves me. Praise God. He lets me know He loves me. But He has never put up with no nonsense from me. He lets me know that too. I tell you, boy. He knows what's coming. He knows what's coming. And that's why He said, 
Cry aloud and spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet and tell my people the errors of their ways. He's coming. And buddy, I'm sounding the trumpet. They ain't nobody likes trumpet music in this land. Nobody wants to hear the trumpet and they sure don't want nothing they're going to have to do. I'm way too busy. I got too much going on. Why look at my business is blessed, leaps and bounds, and why of course I'm blessed. Look at all the blessings of my business. God just blessed me so much. Well, you know what? If you're living with everything you have toward God, then yes, I would say that God's blessing you. But if you're out there living like the devil himself, I don't care if your bill, if your company's doubling every week. I can tell you some of the richest, well, the richest men on this planet, they ain't living for God in no kind of way. They live for themselves. That ain't a God. The Bible says supposing gain is godliness. From such, withdraw thyself. God knows the severity of what's coming. He knows every phase of what's coming. He knows what we need because He knows what lies ahead. He gave us complete and specific instructions to follow for the building of His temple, which we are. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3.17, If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. This is the scripture right here. It's one of the scriptures right here that caused me to put cigarettes down. I can tell you the Holy Ghost don't smoke. I don't care how you slice it. I don't care how you try to justify it. The Holy Ghost don't smoke cigarettes. The Holy Ghost don't use tobacco. The Holy Ghost, Jesus himself, would not be walking around down here with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. He said, blessed is the overcomer. And I'll tell you what, when you stand before God, if there's things you could have overcome and didn't, it's you going to have to answer for it. And I wouldn't rely on His mercy being sufficient to get you in because, remember, the righteous are scarcely saved. Them that know to do good and do it that not, to them it's sin. Another thing, the second thing added with that Scripture right there that caused me to quit smoking was because it was damaging to my testimony. The conviction was just overbearing to me. But you know what? You can quiet the voice of conviction until it no longer bothers you. You can justify it in your own manner. You can quiet in your own mind. You can quiet that voice, and it never will bother you again until you stand before the Lord. Well, God, if you didn't want me to do that, why did you tell me? I told you time and time and time and time and time again. Look at that man that thought he was saved, man, because he was a pastor. All those years he lived for God, but at the last second, he just didn't have forgiveness in his heart. That day. That day. He gave us specific instructions. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is what? Holy. Holy. 
holy, which temple ye are. Just as with Noah or Solomon or any other, when it comes to the building projects for the Lord of any kind, it has never been, nor will it ever be, left up to man's designing abilities. Jerusalem 10.23 said, O Lord, I know, I mean, uh, Jeremiah 10.23 said, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. It's not in man even to direct his own steps. When Solomon was to build the temple, did you know why David was not allowed to build the temple? There were many reasons why he was not able to build the temple. One of the things that angered God more than anything is when he numbered Israel. Another reason was because of mistakes he'd made. Oh, but God forgives you for that. Yes, he did forgive him for that. He paid a great price for it. But you know what? He still was not able to build the temple. Just as with Moses... He walked before God. God called him in, talked him into doing this, and he did it. And then at the end, he didn't even get to go into the promised land because he made one mistake. Did God forgive him for it? Well, sure he did. Did he make it to heaven? Sure he did because we saw him, you know, the Bible talks about him later at the transfiguration. Uh, Praise God, standing with Jesus and uh, with Elijah, talking with the Lord talking with Jesus. So we know, yeah, he made it. But you know what? He didn't get to go into the promised land here because he made a mistake. The Bible tells us in Psalms 127.1, a song of degrees for Solomon, except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. We must follow his instructions very closely. There's a message that I preach called, listen carefully, follow closely. Just look at the look at the life of King Saul. It must meet his requirements and his standards before it will be acceptable in his sight. Saul, King Saul, did not follow the specific instructions of the Lord, and it cost him everything. Time and time and time and time again, you can look at the Word of God and the greatest, most anointed people that were absolutely called of God lost out in the end because they did not follow instructions. I don't care how anointed you ever have been, how anointed you ever become, there will never be a time that you're too anointed and so anointed that you can call your own shots. I want you to know you still have to answer to a higher authority. His name is Jesus and there is no straying from the Word of God and you will never be so righteous is that you should write one yourself. The Bible tells us very clearly, 1 Samuel 15, 22. Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. To hearken, to hearken, to hearken 